This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. All the linemen from the New York Giants. And so they sit me down <laughs> and they're like, let's do shots. And then one of the guys, and it's all their buddies and, so, and their boys. And one yeah. guy's like, yo, man, you do Madden? I'm like, no, I do Blitz. And then music sold out. They're like, yo, he's the guy, man. Yo, why'd you fuck up my stats? And then they're like, let's do more shots. And so they're like, try to convince me to increase their stats in a game that I don't work on. <laughs> Welcome to Game Dev Advice, the game developer's podcast, your place for resources and in-depth conversations with other game development professionals. I'm your host, John J.P. Podlasic. I've worked at 10 different game companies, starting back in 1989 with the TurboGrafx-16. Over the decades, I've developed games like Mortal Kombat, Avengers Initiative, Beavis and Butthead, and numerous others. I now work for a startup called Level X. But this podcast isn't about me. It's about you and the game development community. So if you have questions or ideas, give a call 224-484-7733 or go to the gamedevadvice.com website. So let's kick things off with the new Game Dev Advice. I'm joined tonight by industry veteran and friend Adam Boys. As co-CEO of Iron Galaxy, Adam's responsible for the company's finances, strategic development, partnerships and alliances for this growing company. He's also worked at Sony Interactive Entertainment America, Capcom, Midway Games, Next Level Gaming, EA, and some other companies over his career. Enjoy. Hey, Adam. How are you doing tonight? Good, John. How are you, dude? I'm doing good, all things considered. Awesome. Uh, yes, where, exactly. Where are you calling in from? Calling in from uh, Chicago. Well, from Glencoe, north of the north of Chicago. All right. Uh, yeah. Tonight, yeah, yeah. Central Central Standard Time Zone. We're both the same areas there. That's great. Yes, we are. Um, how are you doing with COVID and everything going on during these crazy, strange times of 2021? <sighs> Man, it's like operation trying to keep the mental health in check. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's been a wild one, that's for sure. Mm -hmm. um, had to sort of you know change the whole way in which work happens obviously which i'm sure we'll talk about a lot but uh yeah you know on the personal perspective i think the biggest thing that i found is just doing a deep dive into my brain of like what do i need to stay mentally healthy and what i realized being a, a, a boy born in a small town in canada is that i needed nature and so uh mm -hmm. earlier in spring ended up uh, buying an rv and doing a bunch of road trips this year just oh. to sort of try to stay cool. relatively sane mm -hmm. um in these wild times i think that's the best thing that anyone could do is just find a sliver of comfort mm -hmm. somewhere, whether it's building Legos or playing Minecraft or maybe it's nature, maybe it's, you know, cooking or yeah. growing plants, who knows? But uh, yeah, that's been the biggest coping mechanism here in our house is just trying to find comfort. Mm -hmm. you know? Fantastic idea. That's, that, that's very cool to get out there, see nature, take the family. And you can do it safely, right? When you're in your own sort yeah. of vehicle and, mm -hmm. and uh, it was, it was actually really awesome. We did over 10,000 miles this year. Holy uh, shit. So I saw a lot of the country. Yeah, I mean, why not, right? Yeah. Like, when's the yeah. next time we're not going to be business traveling for a year or more, you know? So yeah. why not take advantage? Yeah, right. And somebody's driving, you got the laptop, you your hotspot. And, and no, I'm driving. You're driving. No, okay. the deal I made with my wife. Uh, she didn't <laughs> want to drive the big galoot. So uh, I told her I would drive all the miles. But okay. uh, I don't mind, actually. It's it's cathartic. It's relaxing. Listen to a lot of podcasts, you know, on the road. Yeah, speaking about roles, like tell me about your current role over at Iron Galaxy. And yeah, so I'm co-CEO at Iron Galaxy. Mm -hmm. uh, started as CEO, joined Dave Lang, who was our founder, mm -hmm. and then Chelsea Blasco, who at the time was our COO. And then over the last four years, you know, Chelsea and I sort of worked so closely together, and we realized that we're sort of a Voltron 
of one full CEO. So <laughs> we, uh, we decided recently to split the titles down the middle and call each other co-CEOs. That's very cool. I've never met her. I've heard great things about her. and She's um, amazing. Yeah. So the industry, how did you get started in the video game industry? Oh, man. I've been <laughs> a video game fanatic since the baby years, right? My mm -hmm. dad had a business at home. He ran an electrical um, contracting company. And so he always needed a personal computer at home. Ah. And so I actually wasn't a console gamer. I was a PC gamer first. Okay. Um, we got, um, it was pre-286. It was just an x86. Um, but even before that, we had a Tandy. Um, oh, yeah, Radio 60, Shack. TRS-80. Right? Yeah, TRS-80. Yeah, yeah. Um, my dad had an old Pong machine, and then I got a TRS-80, I think, when I was like six or seven. And then we sort of, so I was always a PC gamer. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, Tandys and TRSs weren't really PCs. They were like, yeah, they had a Commodore, but um, that was where I started. So I was just super fascinated with it. And then we started, me and my brother, like in elementary school, like started a bulletin board service and all that good stuff. Ah, um, BBS. And then, yeah. And then uh craziest thing happened. I was working at McDonald's <laughs> as you do in your teens. <laughs> yeah. Right. And uh, a Taco guy Bell. that was working for me. Yeah. Was named Daryl Anselmo and Daryl, um, Super smart guy who's a couple of years, I think a year younger than me mm -hmm. in my hometown. I'm from Abbotsford, BC, Canada. Okay. Uh, and he went to this new technical school. And the technical school had these amazing rendering machines. Hmm. He learned how to do like 3D art. And so he actually got an internship at EA. I think when I was like, I was probably 19. He was 18. Huh. So he's right out of high school, got an internship. And I was like, wait, EA's here in, in Vancouver, like in Burnaby? I had oh. no idea. <clears throat> right. And so uh, when I found that out, I was like, man, put me in coach. Like, I'll do whatever. I'll, <laughs> I'll wash pots and pans, grab bagels, whatever. Yeah. Um, and then there were some QA positions open and I applied, you know, put uh -huh. in, put, dropped his name. Yeah. Knew another guy, Justin Weeb, that I went to high school with. I ended up getting a job there, put their names on mm -hmm. as recommendations, quote unquote. Didn't hear back anything. And then I was house sitting my grandma's house <laughs> and the phone rang and it was EA. It was about three <laughs> months after I applied. And so they brought me in as a as a QA tester wow. in 1996. And uh, yeah, it was a total dream come true mm -hmm. until I got there and I realized they're like, oh, the build of the game isn't ready. So you guys just have to play Quake 1 for two months <laughs> and get paid. I'm like, all right, all right. this is how this works. I'm in. My That's a hell of a, a campus there that I'm told. I yeah, no, there. it was. And I was actually there because when I started, um, they had QA across the freeway. So we were right off of Willingdon exit in Burnaby. Mm -hmm. uh, and the QA team was in this old four-story building and then the um, the EAHQ was across the freeway. Mm -hmm. And then we were there when they moved into that big, huge, fancy building with a million-dollar rock wall um, and all that cool stuff. But uh, okay. it was wild times. I mean, when I joined, there was, I think, barely 100 people in QA. And when I left, there was 800 in QA. So uh, 800 in QA there. alone? In QA alone, yeah. Holy shit. Because I, I remember was, hearing there was yeah. like 1,000 or, or, or more people there. and I Oh, man, there were way more. I think wow. when I left, there was probably three or 4,000 people on that campus. That's that's wild. And Canada has that whole uh, tax credit, um, which is, is smart, right? Because uh, like, what, 30, 35% of someone's salary, a tax credit back to the company that has... Yeah, it's actually yeah. different for every province. Okay. So BC is actually uh, one of the lowest. BC is only 17.5%. Ah, okay. um, and the cost of living these days in, in Vancouver and BC man, if I would have been smart as a kid, I would have bought a house there. But uh, <laughs> um, Alberta is 25%. And then if you go out like Montreal, East, maybe Montreal, yeah, yeah. Quebec is 37.5% if your game's in French. Mm. Ontario is 35%. And then if you go actually out even further to the Atlantic provinces, gets even more lucrative. I think there's one province. Yeah, actually, Nova Scotia, you get 50% back on the salary. <laughs> Prince Edward Island, yeah, Newfoundland is 40%. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. So there's a lot of um, provincial support. Uh, and then there's also like other tax credits and stuff you can get mm -hmm. um, from the federal government, depending on if your project sort of qualifies. So yeah, a lot of incentive to be north of the border. You know, these massive studios and, you know, Ubisoft's got, you know, four or 5,000 people in Montreal, yeah. I'm told, and, and stuff like that. So... Like, what do you wish you had known when you started? Man, I love this question. Because it's all about like, the journey's been, you know, you get spun up. You know, I've, we've uh, 25 years going on 26, I think for me, it's for you, it's probably other five or yeah, years above that. But yeah, 32. Yeah, 30 years. Yeah. Um, I think it's, it's to not cry over spilt milk. You know, you get so bent out of shape over the smallest things. And when you look back, right? you know, I, I, I love the saying, water under the bridge. Like it doesn't impact, yeah. like you can't change it. You can't change the stream. You can't change the temperature of it. Just like, why are you trying to uh, make that issue such a big deal? Mm -hmm. And uh, 
I think if I would have been more calmer <laughs> um, yeah. over the years and not get all spun up, uh, you know, you get emotional over, over the smallest things. And I think, you know, it's yeah. all going to work out because the industry is, um, it's always amazing and impassioned, but uh, sometimes it's easy to get wrapped up in the drama. <laughs> Myself included. And you just get so caught up in the moment that when you step back with hindsight and a little maturity and perspective, you're like, why was I losing my mind over that? Right. It doesn't yeah. matter uh, five years later, 10 years later, two years later. Right. Yeah. And you look back and I go, man, like my first, I was pretty insufferable, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> when I was at EA and you think about people make their impression based on, you know, you at, at a job. That's the other thing I think I'd, I'd tell myself is um, it's not about this job and how people see you. It's about your whole career. Right. And so make sure you treat everyone with respect and dignity. Mm -hmm. um, like don't burn bridges. Not that I don't think I've burned a lot, but you definitely like I was, you know, fly off the handle. I was sort of class clown back then and stuff like that. And you realize that a lot of people yeah. that I work with back then just see you as that forever. Um, then all of a sudden they, you know, see me on the PlayStation stage. You're like, what, how did that chucklehead get that job? <laughs> you know, <laughs> well, that's a good question. Young, I don't right? even know. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I don't even know. Yeah. You're young and, uh, you know, full of energy and, you know, yeah. vinegar. So, so yeah, but, but yeah, looking back myself too, it was like, all right, just settle down and, um, this is all going to work out. And so how did you make that transition? You're in, um, QA at EA and then you mm -hmm. made the transition into production. Um, kind of walk me through that. Yeah, actually it was, uh, so I was at EA for about four years. Um, and, uh, I, I remember applying for a production position on the uh, NBA live team. I think the internal code name for the dev team was called the Hitman team. Hmm. Uh, me and uh, my friend of mine, Steve, we both applied and, uh, we both thought we were the ringer. Like we we're the two top people, <laughs> very different styles. Yeah. Um, I always said like Steve was more of like a military leader and I was more of a dad type. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but ironically, when we did, uh, we did a, a team sort of survey one time and people preferred exactly 50% of us, uh, like <laughs> half the people really responded to that military sort of leader. Right. Um, and then half of it was like, like the jokey sort of goofy leadership that I had, but, um, uh -huh. we both applied. We thought we were the two finalists and it turns out they chose someone else completely different. Uh, somebody that had just been playing basketball and spending much time with the dev team, which uh, automatically sort of like pulls the pulls the air out of the out of the tube and you're just like what am i doing why am i working so hard at this role if this isn't what matters now when i yeah look back now i'm like of course it was the person that was a combination of the smartest best fit but also best cultural fit because you know what a team is like it's like mm -hmm. i mean i've never served in the military and i have so much respect for people that do but you you're you're a team and you're in the trenches together and so the culture of, of yeah. who you surround yourself in and and how they work together, I think is so important. So um, I kind of hit a wall there and I was like, oh, this is frustrating. There was an article that came out in our local, in the Vancouver Sun in uh, Vancouver. And, and uh, it was about these 10 new startups. And uh, hmm. it, it was an interview with all their CEOs. So I actually emailed all 10 CEOs. And back then they didn't publish their email addresses, but I'm like, it's first letter, last name at company.com or first name dot last name at company.com. Yeah, yeah, it's like five scenarios. You last can name, yeah, yeah, so I just guessed it. Mm -hmm. And I emailed all 10 of them. And seven of them responded. Wow. Well, because they were shocked too, right? Because people didn't yeah. email all the totally. time. It's like, wow. And it was, this? I was genuinely curious. I was like, how did you start? Where'd the idea come from? Uh, how did you get funding? Like I, I, whatever. I was 23 at the time. Yeah. 24. I was hyper curious about all this stuff because, you know, I, in college I took chemistry, mm -hmm. but in high school, I started three businesses. I never realized that like <laughs> entrepreneurialism was a thing, you know, in this farm town in Canada. Yeah. But like I started a car stair installation company and a t-shirt design company, all these goofy little projects that I started. Yeah. So anyway, cool. I emailed those guys, seven of them responded, four of them ended up like saying, let's do a chat. And of the four, two of them said, let's do lunch. I'm like, what? Wow. And I went to lunch with both of them, just like with my big list of like 40 questions of like all the <laughs> stuff. And one of them says, why don't you quit and come work for me and uh, be the QA manager at um, this dot-com company? I was like, what? Okay. So he kind of offered me a job at lunch. And then I went and interviewed with the rest of the crew. Mm -hmm. I got the job. And so I actually left EA <laughs> um, during the dot-com boom okay. um, to go and do this. Uh, it was a market procurement software. It's like 2000, 2001, something like that. 2000, exactly yeah. 2000. So it was yeah. right pre-bust. Pre-bust, yeah. Um, did that for less than a year. And while I was there, Ireland was actually on fire from the tech perspective because they had waived all of their corporate taxes. And so they mm -hmm. called it the Celtic Tiger. Um, <laughs> and so I actually applied uh, at some tech companies in Dublin and got an interview and got a job in Dublin. So spent about a year at that first company. Wow. And then I went to Dublin for a year. And at that time, I'm 26, you know, move overseas. Sure, why not? 
Uh, yeah. You can bring, you know, I brought a hockey bag, which is very Canadian. You got to bring a goalie <laughs> bag, though, if you're bringing all your gear, because goalie bags are so much bigger for the bigger gear. So right, I load right. it up. I right, load it up. It's 700 pounds, you know. Right. Um, they're like, this is not, you can't. There's, you said one bag. Here's a bag. It's a whole right. goalie bag. The bag. 900 um, pounds. So Take moved the there, did a year there. Um, and that was still in QA. And then I basically, the, the dot-com bust happened in U.S., in yeah. Canada. And then it was delayed by about nine to 12 months. So it was coming and I was going to our CEO and I was like, Hey, listen, we need to choose where whether we're a product driven or a client driven company. We really need to make a decision because if not, the market's yeah, yeah. going to decide for us. And he's just like, who, why do you keep coming to my office? <laughs> I was like, cause this just happened to my last company. I had to lay off right. 10% of my staff. I see the wave. And yeah. And then I had to lay off 65% and sure enough, it started happening to us. And I was like, man, why did I leave games? That was sort of when I had the epiphany. Uh, Came okay. back to Vancouver for the mixture of a girl and because I had a great adventure. I mean, yeah. being paid to move to Ireland, all my friends were backpacking around. I'm like, come stay at my place, I'll pay for your food. <laughs> right. You know, I was getting paid in Irish pounds. So it was before the Euro. Okay. So came back to Vancouver, did a tiny stint at Corel, um, work on XML authoring tools. Corel Draw? Not, that like that? Yeah, Corel Draw company. Okay. Yeah. But yeah. it was a there was an XML authoring tool called X Metal. Hmm. And so I was like, I was a horrible employee there. I was just the worst. I was the worst <laughs> version of myself. And that was, I think when I was having the crisis of like, why did I leave games? Mm-hmm. It's like, Oh, I left it just to learn more, but almost to, to chase that entrepreneurial spirit. Yeah. So I shook my head and I was like, I need to get back into games. And that's when I got a job at uh, next level games in Vancouver. Okay. Um, yeah. Those guys at the time were working on NHL hits pro, um, which was, ah. you know, they'd done NHL hits Oh three. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they were doing the pivot and uh, that's um, that was a hybrid role that was sort of like run QA and then also do some AP work as well. Okay. So did um, almost a year there. And then my contract was up and that was in Mark Madland um, <laughs> from Midway. Hey, hey Adam. Handy, Andy. You did, you right? did, yeah, yeah, exactly. You did a great, great job, man. I remember why that don't guy. you come down to Chicago and why don't you join our team as associate producer? You can run the next NHL hits. Um, so that was my transition sort of from QA at Next Level Games. Right. Light AP stuff, but my role was really in. Uh, and then, you know, at the end of any project, there was enough work for a QA mm-hmm. and AP. So um, I took the job at Midway. Um, to work on the next NHL hits and help Mark pick the next developer or work with next level games again. Mm -hmm. And I arrived and they canceled the game my first week. So (laughs) they put me on Slugfest with Mr. Dave Lang. And that's, uh, that was my full-time transition from QA into production, which was, I was going to be the associate producer, um, which all the production staff left during the development. So at the end, I think I was technically (laughs) the EP. (laughs) <laughs> so from associate producer to executive producer in uh you know 13 12 months well, who whatever. was on there there was like F- flitman right was he on there no mark flitman had moved on okay uh, it was just madland okay um and then uh that was it it was like madland is the ep right i was the associate producer and i think they had a producer role open that but they never able to fill it uh-huh. uh, and i think it was such a small enough project and the company didn't care that they were like oh forget it mark and adam can just do it together right and dave was was sort of production minded mm-hmm. um learned a lot ended up shipping it and then mark yeah left the company before it shipped so dave right. and i basically had to solo ship that bad boy and that was my that was my big like Hey, you know, a lot of times, I don't know about your story, John, but yeah, you know, production, you sort of crawl, walk, run mm-hmm. that went from like walk to sprint, right? <laughs> <laughs> like I know a bit about production, but I know a lot about QA and then it's like, oh, by the way, there's no other producer. So it's just you and Dave. We'll figure it out. This. Right. Yeah, figure it out. There's your deadline. It worked out. Yeah. Yeah. It worked out. No, I mean, those games were well-received. They were fun. They were good games. That was very Yeah. Fun. And that you also learn like where the bread gets buttered at the company that, you know, mm-hmm. when you have blitz and jam at the time and, and mk right. being made in the same building that you don't matter when you're on slugfest right. yeah right. <laughs> the company doesn't care about you you are literally you know <laughs> yesterday's trash uh and that's how dave and i we were both new to the company we both started within three weeks of each other right and instantly okay. felt like garbage because we were just we knew we were third class uh citizens right you're like um gotta be really scrappy here because nobody's <laughs> throwing us shit so uh, right and yeah. but it, the irony is that the, then we bonded with sort of our frustration with how poorly we were treated. And so that actually draw, drew us really close together. Uh-huh. And I think also was was just about like, we want to do this for each other. 
This really has nothing to do with anyone else. Um, We're in this together, man. Wanna, Let's figure it yeah, out. Yeah, you got to yeah. back to back in the night, you know, and you're just, uh, <laughs> you never know when the enemies are coming for you. Um, and so you just bond over that. And I think that was really one of the coolest experiences from not organizationally. <laughs> yeah, right. It was a disaster, but but just like emotionally and and uh, taught me a lot about just camaraderie and and how you can do almost anything if, if um, you have the right people that have your back and and support you. Yeah. And Dave's awesome. Like he, I remember he was kind of like the tech director for sports and then it kind of, mm-hmm. uh, expanded beyond that. And, um, yeah. super smart, a ton of respect for Dave and, and he figures shit out and he gets shit done. Right. You know? Yeah. And, and he's yeah, got that a was great sense of humor too. You know, he's just a yeah. good, good person. That was the balance. I actually just found uh, some old archived videos of me going to his office with my camera rolling. He's like, what are you, is this, are you, is you trying to make a behind the scenes video? Can you just get back to work? <laughs> but yeah, I think that was a, a big theme for a lot of people that have been around this long, which is work hard, play hard, right? The work ethic was there. Yeah. Um, and then the, and then the loyalty was more about to each other in this strange new world. You know, I moved from Vancouver. He moved from Utah. Oh, so that's right. Cause he was out of like sculpture, right? Or was he? Yeah. yeah sculptured. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 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 Uh, and Kodiak. And so, um, yeah, we were both sort of fish out of waters, um, but we knew our trade, you know, mm-hmm. I, I knew it somewhat well. Dave knew it really well. And so yeah. we sort of went through that. <laughs> yeah. And, and like the carpet gets pulled out from underneath you and you're not doing that game and you're like, what the hell's going on? So you kind of bonded yeah. over that. No, that's. Yeah. And then we luckily both got picked up by Mike Builder. Um, who run now runs Jackbox to go mm-hmm. and join the Blitz team. And I was the producer on Blitz and Dave was our tech director. And so yeah. um, it was nice that we got to move to the next project together. And that's, I think, when Dave really started coming into his own with building this whole entire team, who many of them now work for us at Iron Galaxy. Right. Um, yeah. Because they were the guys that he recruited and he trained and, and uh, stuff like that. Coleman so sort of full circle. Stuff like that. Yeah. 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 Wisner, Campin, um, O'Connor, yeah. Longstreet. I mean, so many guys that um, he had worked with through all those years there. All right, so what's been one or two of your favorite games or projects to work on, if you can whittle it down to that? Yeah, man, that's um, that's a tough one. I think uh, I, one of them is not a game at all. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them was when I was at PlayStation. So left Midway, went to Capcom, uh, got to yep, run product development there, and then and then went to start my own thing for a few years. And I got a job at PlayStation to get to run um, third-party Mm-hmm. relations which was a fantastic job and a cool thing because that was pre ps4 and i think one of my favorite projects of all time was uh we had i'd just been gone to iceland to visit ccp a developer over there they were having a big huge um convention oh, eve online is it yeah, yeah, yeah. Eve, and they were yeah. having eve fan fest in, okay. in reykjavik and uh i went there and i was just absolutely blown away like I'd been to all kinds of conferences and conventions and stuff like that. Uh-huh. Uh, BlizzCon and, and, you know, PAX and yeah. E3 and all that stuff. But this one was really, really neat because what they did, it was, first of all, crazy intimate, you know, super fans of the game flew in from all around the world. Hmm. But then I walked by this one area and, uh, of course, I was working on PlayStation, so I had cool access to the executives at CCP. And yeah. um, I, I was wa- walking around with their uh, their CEO, and, and I was asking a bunch of questions. And I look in these rooms, and they've got these big conference rooms, and it's like six people on one side of a table and a dozen people on the other. Hmm. And I was like, who's in that room? That looked very impassioned. And yep. what they were doing is they were doing breakouts. They had the six sort of engineers that run and designers for the for the commerce and econ system within Eve. Mm-hmm. And then they had the 12 um, players basically representing all the different guilds and stuff like that that were the biggest sort of super players. Hmm. Uh, and they were having like these two or three hour breakouts where the players we're giving feedback directly to the developers of all the things that work. Then, then the, another room was like the combat people. Uh-huh. And then another room was the um, engineer people that were like, you know, building ships and stuff like that. Wow. And I was like, whoa. And then another one was the balance, like the, the, the sort of, and I was like so fascinated with that intimate discussion. And right. I was like, that's amazing. So I came back really inspired and I was like, Hey, you know what? None of the consoles has ever really done a conference Mm-hmm. on their own that's all about the players and, and really creates these intimate conversations and so yeah. i came up with this idea to create like a pax but for playstation mm-hmm. uh and, and we called it psx the playstation experience and uh so i, I hmm. sort of put together this proposal uh we're talking to some of the executives of playstation and i was like i have this crazy idea that we should get all the publishers and developers together with all the fans in a really intimate sort of setting mm-hmm. and have our own little mini mini blizzcon mini packs mini three Yep. Um, and they loved it. They loved it. And Andy House at the time, our, our 
global CEO. He loved it. He's uh, ex third party. Mm -hmm. uh, so he's like, yeah, let's, if you can get the publishers on board then let's do it. And we, you know, ruffled up some, some budget. So in yeah. five months we were able to throw this amazing, I think 15,000 people conference Shit. in Vegas. Wow. Um, it ended up going for three years. Uh, and, and mm -hmm. we had a press conference at the start, you know, with announcements and all that stuff. And, uh, yeah, just the process of a goofy idea being inspired by something mm -hmm. and then bring it to fruition and, and not only bring it to fruition, but the fans and the fan interactions, the people we met along the way, the publisher developers for rallying in such short notice to be there. Right. Um, it was inspiring because yeah. it, it, uh, it was just, you know, it's an example I use a lot in my career of like just a big dumb idea that you, you just put enough energy and effort behind it. And, you know, a lot of people get doors shut and they did. I mean, a lot of people are like, there's no time. You can't do it. Yeah, yeah, Publishers yeah, yeah. are like, there's no way we can rally. And I'm like, you have your whole entire setup from the last show you did sitting in a warehouse. Somewhere. Right. Yeah. You're paying rent. How much does it, it cost to ship it? Yeah. 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 So maybe we do a deal where we cover some ship, whatever it is. Right. Like, yeah, there's ways to solve all these problems. I think mm -hmm. in this industry as a whole, I think we focus too many things on what can't be done. Mm -hmm. And I, yeah. I, I love focusing on what can be done. Like what are the speed bumps or the things preventing us from uh, getting there on time? And so that to me was my favorite sort of non-gaming project yeah, for sure. Uh, on the gaming side, I think it probably has to be, I think it has to be Blitz Pro uh, or sorry, Blitz the League. Blitz the League, uh, right. Okay. Which was my second project at Midway after Dave and I had sort of, you know, cut our teeth on Slugfest because it was a phenomenal leadership team. Uh, we had Matt Gilmore on art. We had Craig Kuyaba, oh. who was our lead designer. Gilmore's great, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Dave and I, and then we had Rich Carl was on it. Oh, um, audio. And Mike Builder, yeah, Mike yep. Builder as our yep. as our EP. EP. Yeah. And then the team that we built and just the project, you know, everyone was sort of again betting against us. Um, they didn't really believe that Blitz could go without a license. And then mm -hmm. Madden announced that they were doing an exclusive deal with the NFL, and. Uh, I remember Steve Allison, um, who was at the time our, our head of marketing, yeah. he's now at Epic, but uh, yeah. him coming in and be like, dude, they just announced the Madden's exclusive and NFL's exclusive. Let's announce our game today. And we're like, <laughs> hell yeah, let's do it. Yeah. And all so right. we announced it. And so what happened is all the press that the exclusive deal got mm -hmm. was also coupled with the fact that we were making an unlicensed uh, NFL game. And, and, mm. To this day, you know, people talk about when you're making a game, you want, um, yeah, you used to call it the razor statement, right? Yeah. What's the statement that helps everyone, everyone, you know, makes decisions when it comes to game design and stuff like that. And our razor statement for Blitz the League was, it's the game the NFL doesn't want you to play. <laughs> right. And it was just a fun project because you're able to sort of like take the energy and ripping stuff from the from the headlines. Yeah. And yeah. putting it in the game. And you had an amazingly impassioned team it was our first sort of project together, even though some people work with, you know, Mike before on, on, on Blitz 03 and, and Blitz Pro, but mm -hmm. um, it was just really magic, I think, in the way everyone came together. And that's actually what I yearned for, you know, years later when I was at PlayStation, I loved my job there. We had a fan, I had a fantastic time, an incredible team, mm -hmm. but I just really hearkened back to those days of, you know, you're all back to back in, in, you know, in battle, trying to build something that's new and different. And uh, that's what drew me back into, into game development is, is yeah. just that thinking about those days on, on Blitz the League because it was really uh, inspiring times and incredible people that just when everyone's sort of rooting for the same thing and working together, mm -hmm. uh, amazing things can happen. Right. And going up against a juggernaut like, uh, you know, a Madden, yeah. right? right? Yeah, like, we, were, like, we were the underdog. We were yeah. the underdog in the industry against Madden. Mm -hmm. We are the underdog because we were one of the sports teams at Midway, you know, and you yeah. had uh stranglehold and you had mortal Kombat, and you had, you know, yeah. um, we were sort of, even though blitz had some definite shine, but then you had, uh, you know, Johnny V and George Gomez and those guys making NBA ballers. Ballers, right. Um, but we were definitely like the, eh, could you really go without a license? Right. Um, yeah. And the fact that we were able to prove, you know, everyone wrong. Yeah. On top of that, then uh, Midway actually had four successful games, a pretty, fair rev share and bonus sort of mm -hmm. structure. So I ended up paying for um, my honeymoon and, and the ring for my wife. So right. it all sort of worked out in the end. Right. <laughs> I could I, look at her hand every day and think, well, what's the league? What's <laughs> the league? I remember that yeah. bachelor party. That was a fun time. Yes, yes. <laughs> It was a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> what time is it? 5 a.m. Um, <laughs> yeah, no. It, was that the one with Lawrence Taylor too? Um, yeah, yeah. Lawrence yeah. Taylor was in the first one, and then we had Bill Romanowski in the second one. So yeah, hanging out with Lawrence Taylor. That I was remember wild, hearing man. stories He's, from yeah. Uh, God, he was just he was just the best. 
just yeah. he'd be like doing the lines in, in the VO booth. And one time he turns to me, he's like, man, I, sh- I wish I had all these lines when I was playing football. These are awesome. <laughs> I could have um, talked shit with everybody. And yeah. And then, yeah, my favorite, my favorite LT story actually was, um, so he was doing the Jimmy Kimmel show. Okay. And they're like, well, we need someone to brief him on the game. And Bill is like, well, I can't travel because, you know, my kids. And I was like, I'll right. go. <laughs> and, so, and so I go to the Kimmel show to be in the green room with, with LT. <laughs> so so I can sort of prep him on the talking points for the game. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't go out there and right, you know, we're yeah. talking about that. And he goes, and then also the, the door, the, there's a knock at the door. Hey, hope you're enjoying the show. If you are, please go to patreon.com backslash game dev advice. We'd love to see if you can support the show and help uh, new episodes keep coming out. That's patreon.com backslash game dev advice. Thanks. And uh, it's one of the sort of handlers and, and she goes, hey, um, Mr. Taylor, uh, there's a Mr. McConaughey that wants to come and say hi. And LT's like, hell yeah, man, bring him in here, bring him in here. <laughs> so right, all sudden, right, like, all right. I, yeah, I stand up <laughs> and Matthew McConaughey and me and LT are like in a small <laughs> circle talking right and he introduced himself to me and 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 mccann like yeah man that's just big fan you know just <laughs> can't believe it and lt's like uh he's like yeah i'm doing a new movie you know new new romance movie and uh-huh. lt's like is it like sahara <laughs> i'm like what he's like yeah you did that movie sahara he's like yeah no no it's not like that it's like romancing the throne but like a new one um and uh and lt's like man i love sahara you should make another sahara and i'm like that's like <laughs> not a good movie right right. why is he he's like hammering on that man he's like you got to make sahara too he's like put me in the movie too and and mccani is just being super gracious and super amazing just the sweetest guy he's hanging out for 20 minutes and the three of us are just talking about sahara (laughs) i even know what that movie is i have no idea what what dude google it after this but it's basically like like, i don't even know i don't think it was it was kind of a pseudo action movie where it gets like stranded in the Sahara, like a, a jet crashes or something like that. Okay. But um, the movie he was talking about was actually with, uh, what's Goldie Hawn's daughter's name? Um, oh, she, she was married to the Black Crow singer. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I can't remember. But, oh, Kate Winslet. No, no, Kate Winslet. Anyway, yeah. I can't remember her name. I know but, what you're talking um, about. Yeah. yeah, so she was in the movie with McConaughey, and it was like, yeah, it was like something the jewel. Anyway. Yeah. So he leaves. Matthew McConaughey leaves. <laughs> he's like, man, fuck that new movie. I want him to make Sahara. <laughs> I was like, I'll go tell him right now that you hate his movie and you want to just make another Sahara. He's like, no, it was amazing. Yeah, he was, he was just, and we talked a lot about LT, Uh you know, it's Lawrence Taylor, but he's like, no, LT was a character. He's like, when I put on the bling and, and, uh, you know, the the cameras are rolling, I was LT. He goes, I was Lawrence in real life and LT on the field. It was just really fascinating to hang out with someone that was so prolific uh-huh. Um, like a wrestler, and, uh, right? Like, like, I, yeah, I, yeah, totally. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like a wrestler. Like, I think he was one of the first, I feel like, you know, I think Bo was also a guy that around those times that was like in Jordan. I mean, there was a, yeah. a handful of athletes that were sort of making it more about sort of the show, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Persona uh, behind LT it. Will, yeah. will always go down as, as one of the guys that sort of put, uh, brought so much personality to, to football. So in terms of the industry right now, like, what are you curious about? Like, yeah, no, I think, um, I mean, I'm excited for all the new technologies. Like we think about, mm-hmm. um, obviously, AR and VR are super cool and interesting, but more, I think also the streaming tech is is super fascinating. Yeah. I think how everything works together, you know, when we had uh, location-based games like Pokemon Go and stuff like that. I think how we take all of this whole suite of technologies and make more immersive games um, is is really, really fascinating. And then also mm-hmm. watching how voracious the fan base is around new concepts and new ideas. Like the fact that we yeah. have a lying simulator uh, with uh, Among Us, right? That is teaching my kids how to be fantastic con artists, right? That is right now <laughs> the most popular game um, is yeah. incredible, right? When we think about it. Yeah. It's really about, you know, you're playing with family, who's the best liar? Um but it's just, I always love that no matter what the medium, there's always sort of new ideas and new concepts. And the fact that price points for VR is coming down. Yeah. Um, I feel like AR is just around the corner. Uh, it's really exciting to see all the stuff. And then sometimes just kicking back and playing a really amazing game too, or playing with your friends. I think that mm-hmm. the friend space, the metaverse sort of friend space is really, really cool too. I mean, I've been playing a lot of Minecraft with my kids and Fortnite with my kids and play out a lot of Roblox together. But uh Yeah. 
watching how you know i talked to parents a lot about how a lot of parents i think vilify video games right um, right what i did to I, I was chatting with a couple parents one time and i said minecraft is the new sandbox mm-hmm. in, in the fact that like it's legos you, yeah we used to go well not only that but we used to go in our backyard and the kids from the neighborhood would come over we'd build stuff yeah. it's the exact same the only thing is we're not in the sand mm-hmm. we're not getting dirty but every other part of it is identical. You know, right. again, we're not getting the hand-eye coordination of like stacking stuff, but you are getting the the sort of on the screen sort of thing. And, and if you look at almost every single aspect of socialization in the younger set, mm-hmm. uh, there's a there's a video game mirror of it, right? Yeah. Um, up until I think sports was physical activity, obviously there there is some sort of allegories to that with Just Dance and stuff. But mm-hmm. I do think the social people you know, I think often vilify these things. And when you actually think about it, <clears throat> the thing I like to sort of tell parents is when we grew up, John, when you and I grew up, yeah, there was nothing that we were smarter <laughs> than our parents at. Right. Nothing. Right. Yeah. Right. Nothing. Right. We're just, we weren't allowed to be a, but, but like we're toads, maybe yeah, how to yeah. set up the computer or how to like log into the modem to right. dial up to the BBS. Right. That was it. Now we have these kids that like so many parents lo- miss an opportunity of sitting down with their kids and saying, show me what you've built. Show me the game mode you built yeah, in Roblox right, right. or the, the dungeon or the pyramid or the spaceship that you built in Minecraft mm-hmm. or, the, or the game mode that you guys built in Fortnite together. Like our kids are for the first time, I think in a long time, probably thousands of years, our children are allowed to be specialists in something and teach us something. And it, I think it instills yeah. so much confidence in them, but so many parents are missing and losing that opportunity to sit down and actually listen to them right. because- we're parents and we can't let them be, you know, smarter than us at something. But yeah, I do yeah. think it's a fantastic thing to build their self-confidence and, and, uh, and be able to, so be, um, you know, a subject matter expert yeah. at a very young age, which is, which is incredible. And more of us should be, I think, celebrating and talking about that. Right. And they open up and they get excited, right? Maybe, yeah. maybe a kid that's a little more introverted when they start showing and talking about something, you know, they kind of come out of their shell and, and they, they get just passionate about it right so yeah and when you just ask the basic questions of like oh what did you build show me the different rooms i mean mm-hmm. it's so easy to do that as an adult to ask those questions it's permits them to be creative and curious and i think mm-hmm. that's the biggest thing also that that i always want to instill in my children is always be curious and always be trying new things mm-hmm. and if people don't care like so many people just want to vilify it and discard it of like oh my kids are doing video games again i'm like are they building things? Are you asking them about it or what they've accomplished or what they're doing in the guild? Maybe they're organizing a raid or something like that. I mean, yeah. there's so many opportunities mm-hmm. um, for people to build that confidence and also build skill sets within games. I think that's uh, being missed by a lot of parents. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't dismiss it, you know, yeah. ask questions. and Well, and the, the other thing about it too is I don't think a lot of people realize that now that video games are getting so much more advanced, you think about uh accountants you think about economists you think about psychologists you think mm-hmm. about all these new areas too where the the teachings and learnings of people taking those programs and learning about that stuff could totally be applied to games and games is are expanding so even interests as you go forward i think there'll be more and more opportunities for people of all walks of life and all sort of training to to pivot into video games too i think it's super yeah better time now and it will always get better over time what about threats like like what are your what are your concerns about the industry and yeah, I don't really have any. I don't think there are any, honestly. I think mm-hmm. I think what mobile, what the proliferation of uh, iPhones specifically, and then beyond that, Android and stuff like that did, is it made every human being that could afford one a gamer, right? Yeah. Um, people oftentimes sort of, again, don't want to label themselves, but there's uh, a lot of people out there that have spent a thousand plus hours in Candy Crush. They're a hardcore gamer. I don't care what you tell me. Right. Yeah, yeah. They right. Put the time if they're in, playing. Right? Yeah, they're totally putting the time in. And so, um, I, it's funny because I was in a meeting recently, and and uh, there was a, a CEO of another company there, and it was a non-gaming company, mm. and they were just admitting, you know, I'm a CEO. I'm not a gamer. I've never been a gamer. I'm like, you run a studio, you run a company. They're like, yeah. I'm like, then you're a gamer. And they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, do you manage budgets? Right? Do you manage morale? Yeah. Do you interact with people? Do you? Oh, so you're managing community. Right. So you're you're a community manager, right? You're a producer. Yeah. Your business development. You're doing sales. I mean, you're absolutely Mm -hmm. making it's a game, right? So many things in in business, in work, right? In industries. Mm -hmm. Uh, there's allegories in games. And so I think too many people um that are gamers don't realize they just don't want to be labeled oftentimes because it has a negative connotation. Yeah, stigma, Uh, you know, yeah. Yeah. And I don't think it I think I think those days that we grew up of 
you know, people being called nerds are over. And I think our next, the next mm-hmm. generation, I don't see a threat in the works. I think, I think the only place that I really want to see more work being done is how can we thread? I think you guys at Level X do a fantastic job of, of threading the entertainment mm-hmm. with the education. Mm-hmm. How can we Thank thread you. more of entertainment, you know, with, with the future. And so that way mm-hmm. the negative stigma, like I, re- even though I think games are fantastic, I don't want anyone playing, you know, World of Warcraft for 15 hours a day. Like that's, yeah, to me, not a healthy thing. And so how do we uh, add a different, different aspects to the industry to ensure that it, it's more fulfilling? Mm-hmm. Uh, and also I think can give back, like how are there better ways for us to be able to donate to charities or social drives, you know, social causes yeah. um, to bring more positivity. So no threats. I just think there's a ton and ton and ton of opportunity. Yeah. And especially with COVID people that may not have been in, played games before um are finding that passion again or 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 finding for the first time and maybe they're you know getting back into it and like put something on their phone and um when they're sheltering in place it it gives them an opportunity 20 years ago one uh one friend of mine who's uh been playing vr with his dad um his dad is a bit older and Mm -hmm. and um you know he's in a riskier category uh in regards to covid and so yeah you know they're playing vr so they're together but they're apart and and the idea of mm-hmm. the physicality and i think they're playing a mini golf game on on oculus okay those kind of stories are so inspiring because it just goes to show that we have a lot of constraints right now in our society but um there's yeah. a, so many ways within games and entertainment that we can sort of break through those yeah view it as an opportunity and not as a restriction but like all right if i'm in this situation we you know, how can i make it better and what opportunities are out there to learn new things and do stuff and uh no that's cool uh lt you mentioned what, what about a funny or odd story from working in the industry oh, man. So many good ones. <laughs> i know like that mental so roll that's like, brrr. yeah, you almost have to be like, uh, you know, give me a, give me a, a theme top. Um, <laughs> I, the industry as a whole, I think is just so incredible. Um, you know, when you think about funny or odd stories, they, they run the gambit from right. Hilarious where there was a victim to, <laughs> <laughs> to, uh, just good hearted fun. I think, uh, yeah, one of the, I actually, I'll, I'll use, I'll use one that you and I have both been at. It was sort okay. of like, um, uh, the birth of this, this, uh, social gathering, um, that we call red shirts, uh, <laughs> because I think that the origin That's story right. started out in a very interesting way. So the premise of, of this, I guess I'll tell the origin story. Okay. First, yeah. Yeah. And, and then I'll, and then I'll sort of talk about what, what red shirts is, but okay. it's game related and it's a funny story. So yeah, my brother came to visit me. Um, he was living in Vancouver. I was here in Chicago back in the early two thousands, came to visit me and we went out, a few of us went out um, for day drinking, which is in Chicago, a huge <laughs> thing. I like growing up in Vancouver, you know, we like to drink, but it just isn't, it isn't like a pastime. It isn't like a, <laughs> I'm going to go out and I'm going to drink my face off, uh, especially during the summer here in Chicago when just the whole, all the streets locked down and there's yeah, amazing yeah. sort of, uh, beer gardens you know, and, food, yeah, ben, food yeah, trucks yeah, and yeah. shenanigans and bands, live bands, stuff like that. Right. Um, <laughs> so uh, we're drinking one day and my brother spills uh, mustard all over his shirt. And he's like, oh man, I need a new shirt. So we drunkenly go into a Walgreens, right? Which is the local <laughs> pharmacy. Yeah. And uh, they have this horrible looking Hawaiian shirt. Uh, this red Hawaiian shirt with these bright um, yellow okay. flowers on it. And uh, I go, dude, you should get one of these, right? <laughs> or with one other friend, Mike. And he's like, man, if you get one, I'll get one. I'm like, if you both get one, I'll get one. And so we're like, forget it. Let's all get one. And they're 15 bucks or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So we walk out and we're all wearing these horrific matching yeah. uh, red Hawaiian shirts. Right. And we, and we go uh, we go to this this bar on the beach called castaways and it's a, it looks like a, a, <laughs> yeah. sh- a ship that's been capsized and in, in, on the beach and um we walk in and we're all buzzing having a great time and yeah all of a sudden first person stops us like what's your guys deal you guys are bachelor party and we're like no and then <laughs> uh and then my friend uh we go up to the bar we order and everyone's stopping us everyone right. is stopping us in the place and they're like what's the what's the deal what, what are you guys doing <laughs> and our friend mike he has a t- <laughs> he's a tall can of miller light in one hand he goes Yo, he goes, um, he goes, we're raising money for breast cancer awareness. And they're like, oh, wow, that's amazing. And he goes, and we only take donations in the form of tall cans of Miller Lite. Let's go. <laughs> right. And they're like, what the hell? They start laughing. And then uh, the next person asks, and I'm like, oh, actually, uh, you know, my friend just got a divorce. And then, and they're like, oh my God, really? And they were so intrigued. And so what happened that day with just the three of us? Yeah. 30 people asked us what was going on and right. we always made a new 
uh, answer up. And so (laughs) it was the most hilarious day ever. And so I kind of got home that night. And I woke up the next morning. I'm like, that was amazing. Like, could we do this at scale? <laughs> right, um, right. Let's blow this up. And so, yeah. And so like months later, I think when you were, you were at, I think the very, the second, because the very first one, it was just, um, yeah, I missed the first uh, just, one. Yeah. It was just yeah. Mike, my brother and, and me and, and Johnny says he was there, but he didn't get the shirt. <laughs> I remember that because he had to leave early because he had to go to work. He had to go work on ballers. So it was right. a weekend. Right. And like about a month later, we did a bigger one and you were there and yeah. Shaker was there and Dave <laughs> and, um, and we, we had, so there was 10 of us. And so now the rules were set. The rules are right. everyone must wear a matching red Hawaiian shirt. Right. And every time someone asks you what you're doing, you must make up a new lie about <laughs> why we're wearing these shirts. And you can never say that we're on a bachelor party. Like right. that is when they say no, you go, no. Right. party ah, we're all like we're all we're all the midwestern scrabble championships he's from cleveland he's from right. columbus like and the whole entire day every place you go <laughs> everyone is stopping you all the time yeah and you're being asked these ridiculous questions i mean you've and been you're getting there. drunker and drunker and you're like yeah, yeah and it's we're just, guild of this right yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're all bowlers we're the we're the hawaiian <laughs> chicago bowling team like and then they google it and you're like yeah see there's our image <laughs> um and it's so it just to me is one of my most fun yeah you know improv and in chicago it's so perfect because everyone is just so nice and they always want to ask you questions but yeah that to yeah. me is one of the most fun stories of <laughs> this goofy ass sort of creation i think the last time we did it, it was 30 people yeah. um we ended up going to a white Sox game and got on television national television i mean it was <laughs> bananas because the stories just get bigger and bigger and right. um yeah i think that's that's but that's such a great representation i think of the games industry and how fun it can be mm-hmm. when everyone's sort of together and, and doing creative and fun new things because it basically becomes an improv troupe um <laughs> you know on the go which is a right blast. yeah there was, there was the one time we were, we were trying to get a different part of the city and yeah. and we i like to say commandeered a uh ice cream truck that's <laughs> right yeah no cabs would pick us up because right, they couldn't carry us yeah it, it, we're trying to get a shuttle bus and an ice cream truck pulled up and we're like Dude, right. you need to take us to Wrigleyville. We'll, we'll give you this much money and let us pile in. And, and then you just roll up in an ice cream truck. And like, yeah, he said, as long as you buy all the stock. Right. And, right. and I think it was like 400 bucks to buy out the whole stock. Right, so right. we ba- paid him. And then we were just throwing out like throwing out bars and stuff. Right. God, that was so funny. And there was 10 of us packed in the back of an ice cream truck. I think it was, but then yeah. again, then we, then we get to Wrigleyville and then there's cops there. And all of a sudden we're taking photos in the back of the cop yeah just yeah it's just ridiculousness yeah. um going to castaways and yep. yeah yeah you gotta all go back to the scene of the crime right castaways is always a must-go yeah. place we were running out um, of there once yeah 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 and up and down yeah. the uh the river but yeah it's uh man when covid's over it's come back and yeah forth. But, yeah uh, every summer yeah, what a fun yeah what a fun a fun little game industry story what about a game you're you're playing right now you're excited about? Like, is there anything that like jumps to mind? Like, oh man, I'm playing a lot. I'm a I'm an omnivore when it comes to games. So I'm playing Valhalla. I'm playing Cyberpunk. Mm-hmm. I'm playing Fortnite. I'm playing Back in Destiny Two. Playing it with friends. Playing, um, yeah, a bunch of different stuff. Uh, cool. The problem is flipping between those. I think is is hard. I love to play Fortnite with the kids or just keep up on on all the stuff that's happening. I just I enjoy that game it's like a second hobby to me. Like I can play it yeah. for hours on it. I just, I enjoy the crap out of it. I think all the stuff they're doing with the outfits and stuff, it just so much pop culture awesomeness from, from our childhood, which is amazing. Um, mm-hmm. Cyberpunk started dipping into it on my PS5. I luckily got one. Oh, cool. Uh, and I'm digging it, you know, um, mm-hmm. you know, pimples and all. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's a rough, you know, rough time pretty, there. Yeah. Yeah. But a pretty amazing accomplishment. I think, yeah, obviously a bunch of things could have been handled differently. Mm-hmm. Um, Valhalla isn't hitting me the same way that like Assassin's Creed Odyssey did, but mm-hmm. I'm still plugging through. And then Destiny 2, I just got started playing during the break over the holiday because I just wanted something to play with a couple of friends. So me, Johnny V and Craig have been playing a bunch of that just to be together, you know, yeah. playing games online. It's, it, you know, that's, it's, it's great. Yeah. For that. yeah. Yeah. It's just fun to knock out, you know, 15, 20 minutes worth of, worth of matches together. And, and there's some cool hard uh, modes in that game and stuff you can do. And I just love that sense of accomplishment. I think Fortnite is awesome for some yucks and grabbing a beer and playing games. But um, mm-hmm. Destiny sort of scratches more of that serious itch. More like, okay, now you got to do that. Now you raid him. Then you throw the grenade over there. You know, more of that planning. and execution. Yeah, a little more coordinated. That's cool. Anything I should have asked you about but uh, didn't? Well, I think, um, you know, the getting into the industry, I think that's always a great topic. Mm-hmm. Um 
to, to touch on because I was a fluke. I just sort of applied because my friends did. But I, I do think um, one of the things that a lot of people that are young um, that are trying to get in the industry, obviously it's high demand, right? All the jobs are high demand, especially yeah. entry-level ones. Um, but it, I'm amazed at how people, like you can stack the deck. And what I mean by that when you're when you're trying to get in the industry is like befriending the people that work at the studio that you like or the people that worked on the game that you like and, mm-hmm. and interacting with them on social media in a respectful way and yeah. being creative in the way that you apply or reach out or ask for advice. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the thing that many people lose sight of is even though video games are like the biggest industry on the planet, mm-hmm. um, most of us come from pretty humble beginnings and we all yep. joined for similar reasons that we just love the craft. And exactly. at the root of it, we've almost all got each other's backs. And, and when it comes to new people, if you ever want advice, you know, for how to get in or, or how to get a job, like you'd be shocked. It's kind of like when I emailed those seven C or those 10 CEOs and seven replied. Yeah. What the hell? <laughs> uh, recently I was doing some research uh, and I want to talk to 10 different studio heads in the industry. And I emailed them and dude, they, I emailed them at 9 PM on a Sunday night and all of them had responded by noon on Monday. And I was shocked. Hmm. But it goes to show that everyone wants to help each other out. And so yeah. when you're when you're thinking about it, if you're, you know, going to school for it, or if you really want to um, you know, get in the games industry, asking people just for advice is a perfect way to just get their ear, at least get a little bit of, you know, a little, a little kernel, a little kernel of knowledge. Cause yeah, man, and most of us want to pay it forward and help the next generation. So um, doing that, I think, is really important. And then, of course, mm-hmm. like I said, sort of interacting with the team and and uh, getting familiar with who you're playing, and also trying to stand out, be original when you apply, and and yeah. whether it's your cover letter or the how you're applying or um, references you're making, I think all that stuff matters. I think too many people just feel like I'll never get it, so I might as well just mail it in. It's like that's not the case, right? You go yeah, the extra yeah. mile. I mean, you have examples, John. I have examples from my career of people that have just applied and really stood out. Mm-hmm. That you end up giving a shot, and here we are, ten years later, and they're running things or run their own company. And I think yeah. that's a big lesson for, for the youngsters out there and students and, and people that are aspiring to get into games is that, uh, you know, it's hard, but it's not impossible. Mm-hmm. There's ways to do it um, thoughtfully uh, that, uh, you know, might give you a leg up on, on all the other names coming through, you know, the resume machine. And do it like in a, in a kind of a cool and tactful way, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. Don't be too yeah. thirsty, right? Don't be yeah. all stalkery. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because people hitting up on LinkedIn a lot and stuff like that. And sometimes, you know, it's just randos wanting to connect. I'm like, I don't know you. Right. Like, yeah. like, I don't yeah. know anything about you. And then yeah. are you going to use me to then try and be a leverage to get, you know, it's like there, there's yeah. no, but then like somebody, I, I was in a um, thing for full sale. It was an online recruiting thing. And, and there was somebody mm-hmm. I would, I was chatting with and followed up and, you know, like, Hey, you, you mind if we connect on, on LinkedIn? I'm like, yeah, you know, you're, you're being uh, professional and reasonable about stuff. And and we were talking about, you know, design and stuff. And then we connected on LinkedIn and, you know, every month or two, he kind of would hit me up and be like, Hey, what's going on? How you doing? I'm like, yeah, it's going on. And, you know, and I'd be like, Hey, have you checked out this, you know, uh, this site that's like a crackle or grackle HQ? It's like a big, um, Mm-hmm. aggregator for all the job sites mm-hmm. um and he's like no i you know check that out and i'm like yeah we don't have any entry-level roles but you know good luck and you know just being kind of uh thoughtful and, and reasonable that way versus just like connect with me and give me a job now you know like, yeah that's that's a little obnoxious um and, yeah, and I, I get that every day right so like why would i yeah so that? how do you stand apart and how do you be respectful i think that's the most important thing is just be be reasonable if they don't show like respond right away it's mm-hmm. okay you know give it a few weeks and if they don't respond a second thing then move on to the next yeah you know right um but i think persistence to a point is important but also I think knowing your audience and, and, uh, but, but standing out, like if they would have mm-hmm. done that first, instead of a random LinkedIn thing, being like, Hey, John, I know your background from this, this, that you worked on that. So cool, man. I've seen some videos or interviews with you over the years and I'm doing this. I just like 10 minutes of your time for some advice. Like, right. Yeah. That's super. I mean, that's easy to be like, I mean, not yeah. that you're always going to get a hit with that, but, um, yeah, the odds are a hell of a lot higher than, than just totally like, because then you're like, Oh, wow. I see a little bit of myself. People, yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah. Of like, dear sir, or they they call you the wrong name. Like I had one. <laughs> oh, this is this is my favorite. I had a recent one actually, um, a QA firm. Okay. Um, not only called me by my wrong name, but named the wrong studio in the <laughs> in their email. And I just I re- and I never responded to them ever. Yeah. Right. Straight to junk. And I responded to this one. I said, just want to be clear that if we're ever going to seek hiring QA services, <laughs> we would never hire a company 
that doesn't even get the company's name or the person's name right in the email <laughs> introduction. So thank you, sir. Right. And good night. Thank, thank you for. <laughs> Another guy felt awful, but I'm like, I had to respond. I'm like, I'm XQA. Like you can't. Yeah. Devil's in the details, man. Like, totally. Get your yeah. shit together. Right. Don't Absolutely. Be, don't be emailed. Yeah. Yeah. There was a, uh, a recruiting firm uh, overseas that was, they were trying to poach people from our company. Right. And cool. there, there was like, what's this about? What's this about? I'm like, I don't know. And people were saying they were getting these emails. And then two or three months later, they reach out to us and like, hey, we want to help you with your hiring. And I'm like, you guys? Like after after you were like cold, like trying to poach all of us. So then I got them on the phone and I made them very uncomfortable. Like, wow, that's funny. Like, cause you, you were trying to poach from us and now you want to now you want to hire from us? Like, how many people did you get? None. Yeah. Like, why would we hire you? Right. right. You're not very good at your job. And, and don't you do your damn homework and, and realize you were trying to poach from us and now you're trying to trying to get us as a client? Uh, yeah. of, of like what the hell are you guys thinking? I hope so. Yeah, we had something similar where um, it was a recruiting company that tried to recruit one of our people for one of our own jobs, John. They already worked <laughs> at Iron Galaxy and they were trying to hire them to come work at Iron Galaxy. And then they were trying to pitch us as a company. Big to, like, dollars, high bonus, all caps. Oh my God, yeah. The guy was like, uh, maybe we should not talk to this recruiting company ever i'm like oh my god i actually ended up screen capping it and sharing it on twitter not the company name but yeah yeah it was just too hilarious too hilarious Man, there's some bad ones out there it is really bad shocking like there's like the level of ineptitude with some of these companies you're like what what are you yeah, doing pretty inspiring <laughs> like you that's not good yeah Speaking of that, like, like, where can people find you online? Like, website, you know, I know you're active on Twitter, all those kind of things. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah Twitter's the main place, AM mm-hmm. Boys. Mm-hmm. Um, the funny origin story. So, you know, I, I thought I would be clever because at the at sign, okay, I'm Adam yeah. Boys. Yeah. So I'm like, at Am Boys, Adam Boys, at AM Boys. Okay. And nobody gets it because nobody <laughs> reads out the thing. They're like, AM Boys, are you some kind of like, Radio DJ, it's AM Boys in the morning, coming at gotcha. you. Weather's, yeah, weather's 37 degrees. Pumping white edge in the cottage. How you doing? Right. Right. Look out. Um, yeah, so Twitter there, and then our company website, Iron Galaxy. Mm-hmm. studios.com and we're uh companies iron galaxy on twitter as well but twitter's where i'm mostly active i mean i don't mm-hmm. as active as i used to be just because it's kind of a hellscape but uh yeah that is where people can interact and i got my dms open so um okay. people do want to reach out and uh get advice or whatever that uh, you know if you if you like i said take my advice and use a cool intro or something like that then most likely i'll respond but mm-hmm. if you just do the, like i had one guy recently i was like hey, can you just give me money like <laughs> Dude, <laughs> no, no, that's not how this works. Go, go, go away, and yeah, yeah. Twitter's tough because you go on there, you want to do stuff, and then you start like doom scrolling, and and you just yeah. like, oh my it's god, bad fast. oh my god, oh my god, and you're like, ah, I need to walk away. Um, the world has gone crazy. So, last question. Um, sure. One piece of advice, like others working in the industry right now. I worked with a guy who actually works with us now here at Iron Galaxy named Carter Lipscomb. And the guy is just fantastic. He's been in the industry for a long time. He's actually the police chief in the original SimCity. Um, he's wow. been around block. Yeah, he was one of the OG Maxis employees. Okay. But um, but when I worked at PlayStation with him, the guy was just every single person on campus knew him mm-hmm. and stopped him. And he asked how their kids were. And it was just fantastic to, to, to watch how he operated. And I, I got a chance to meet... Um, meet his dad and, and his dad was talking about his philosophy of, of raising his kids. And he said, you know, I said, how did you, all your sons are so incredibly not only charismatic, but they care so much. And he goes, mm-hmm. I'm going to tell my boys two things to be present and be pleasant. And so mm-hmm. anytime I think I come across people and you think about your career as a 30 or 40 year journey, yeah, right? you think about all the people you're going to come across. There's no reason to burn a bridge. Right. Yeah. And, and, taking that extra time to, to, especially I think during COVID, I mean, talking about being present, I mean, a lot of us have had to sort of take a pause on our lives and, and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. the idea of, of pausing to really look someone in the eyes, listen to um, how they're feeling and, and what they need. And, and then um, giving them kindness and consideration, I think is a huge, huge thing that I think a lot of people miss. A lot of people want to get the deal done. Yeah. yeah. Um, right. But what they don't realize is that when you do do a deal um, or, or any sort of thing in the industry and you do it with respect for one another, uh, whether the outcome's positive or negative, as long as you have other people's backs and, and they, they feel that from you, then I think, uh, yeah, they trust you, you. Be very yeah. successful. And I think that 
being present and being pleasant is, is super important and, and under underrated these days. So yeah, no, that's great advice. That. I've never, I've never heard a phrase like that. And that's, it was so powerful because yeah. as soon as his dad said it, I sort of welled up because I was like, Oh my God, every person that he interacts with, he just mm-hmm. knows them. Not, not just like looks at them beyond a transactional interaction. Yeah. Uh, and it's not about writing down, you know, what they like, but it's more about getting a sense of who they are and, and what makes them happy. And, and, I think it's just so easy and we all take it for granted. So yeah, more of us could do that in our fast paced lives. And I think uh, the world would be a better place. Yeah. Why not make someone's life a little bit better uh, versus making it transactional or ignoring yeah. somebody. Right. I mean, this and all- paying it forward. I think that's the sort of mm-hmm. thing that you and I both yeah. believe in. And many people we know is just, you know, so many people gave us shots along the way yeah. and paying it forward and being pleasant to, to the future generations, I think is only, you know, going to be beneficial for the industry at large. Yeah, totally agree. Thank you, Adam. Uh, this has been um, fantastic. I've enjoyed the cool. conversation, and um, yeah, uh, have a great night. Glad we could finally do it, John. Yes, we did it. <laughs> chasing each other down, trying to figure it out. But I uh, was <laughs> no, super, super happy to be on here. It's I think th- this kind of stuff is always fantastic to sort of reminisce about the past, but also talk about all different facets of the industry because it's an amazing place, and it's there's a there's a home for a lot of people here. But uh, yeah trying to espouse the the benefits and, and give the kernels and nuggets and knowledge for the future generation is always a pleasure. You know, the show is a mix of people who are in industry and, and there's a lot who are aspiring to be in, in the industry. So, mm-hmm. you know, people like having these conversations, I, I think are valuable to people and um, letting people know, you know, it's just, just people at the end of the day, right? It's a business and, and all that yeah. stuff, but, but treating each other with respect and doing the right thing matters right because it is a journey it's a 30 or 40 year thing it's not a one and done and Mm -hmm. you know if you're a jerk here and a jerk there and a jerk there oh wow nobody hires me well i wonder why right yeah absolutely goes around comes around so yep sure does cool thank you thanks for listening to this episode of game dev advice the game developers podcast Go to the website at gamedevadvice.com and you can find the show notes along with show notes for all the other episodes. Please also check out the new Patreon page at patreon.com backslash gamedevadvice. Have a lot of options up there for how you can support the show. Again, that's patreon.com backslash gamedevadvice. Thanks again for listening and being part of the show. Take care. Bye-bye.